Well, welcome everybody. Uh, just so you know, we're enjoying this series, especially the bumpers before. We're really enjoying this. I, if you don't know this, and you've heard a little bit about this, is we are a church that meets in multiple locations. But I do want us to have a, uh, a kitchen table conversation before we launch into the sermon. Uh, now, we as a church have a heartbeat, call it, or, or just a love that teenagers, students would know who Jesus is. I mean, I would call it even a conviction of ours. That we want to prioritize that teenagers, that they know who Jesus is. And so if you don't know this, every summer we send off whatever students want to go from, from middle school and high school. And we, we send them off to hear about Jesus, learn more about Jesus, create some awesome relationships. I don't know if you ever went to church camp, might be the title for it. Some of you are like, yeah, I do, and I'll never forget it. It was traumatizing for you. But for others, uh, it was great moments. And, and we think it's a catalytic moment, frankly. Uh, if you don't know this, teenagers are constantly connected to the world now. Like their life as a teenager, there's nothing about it that I crave at all. Uh, and so what we want to do as a church is make sure that every teenager that wants to go to camp can go to camp. So some of you, you're familiar with church enough that you're like, oh, I know what you do. So that's when, when do the candy bars and cookie dough and coupon books go for sale out in the lobbies and things like that. Well, we don't do that. Not because we think they're wrong or evil. It's just, if, think about this. I don't want teenagers having to sell me stuff so they can go spend a week-long time with Jesus. It just doesn't compute with me. So here's what we do as a church. Because some of you, are, you're, you're incredibly smart. You're like, but the money has to come from somewhere. I mean, you've been watching enough of the debates. You're saying that all the time to the TV. So you're like, the money has to come from somewhere. I love this. And so, so here's what we do as a church. We don't make the kids sell stuff. Uh, I would love for them to, to mow my lawn and, and, and sell me cookie dough. We just get them there. Here's how this works. Is I say this to you as I'm saying it to you. And we collectively say I will help scholarship a student to go to camp. If you're interested in providing a scholarship or a portion of a scholarship for a student, what you do is go to the Next Steps area at your location and talk to them and say, hey, I'd like to help a student go to camp. They'll talk to you about that. And there's a way that you're able to give to that exclusively so that we don't turn teenagers away. Our history tells us this, is that we have yet to have turned a teenager away who wanted to go to camp. Now, to give you some numbers to this, is it typically requires about fifteen dollars to $20,000 to make sure that we get all of the students who want to go to camp to camp. So if you're interested in helping a student go to camp, just go to the Next Steps area and be like, hey, I want to help out. Tell me what I need to do. And I'm saying this to everybody. In fact, if you don't know this, the fellows at RCMU, if you don't know this, they give as often as they can give, the fellows in prison. And so what we as a church believe is we're family. So that's why I want to have that conversation with you. So... If you like teenagers or think that they need to smell better, uh, we send them to camp. So uh, get, be a part of that. Uh, so what I want to do now though, is, is let's launch into cliche, East, West, RCMU, we're all in on this. And I want to open up another cliche statement as we uh, figure out a little bit more about God and maybe some of the stuff that we're saying, see how true or untrue it is. So here's the statement or statements, so maybe the subject matter. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Have you ever said, go with your gut? Or, or maybe you're like, no, I don't say that. It's like, let your conscience be your guide. Or, or just follow love. Just let love take you. And, and I'll tell you, uh, if you've ever done that, or you've done it much, you've probably ended up in a situation. You're like, uh, my gut straight up lied to me. 
uh, your, your conscience, like let your conscience be your guide, like I did, and now I'm in this relationship and I don't know how to get out of it. Or, or you found yourself taking a job, you just went with your gut and it was horrible, you didn't listen to some of the, the red flags, yellow flag, whatever it was, you didn't listen to it. And, and so for those of you who are freaked out right now, like, so I can never say that again? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But going with your gut can oftentimes lead you to the wrong decision. That's just so, oh, some of you are like, well, no, I'm batting 100%. Okay, well, okay, not everybody bats 100%. In fact, let me give you some examples. I don't, I don't know if you've ever encountered uh, maybe a, a different haircut that you didn't like. Let me show you what a mullet looks like. Anyone know, anyone? So, so if, you don't, if you're not tracking with how this works, is you go to the hairstylist and you're like, you know, you know here's, here's, what I, here's the haircut I, I want you to, to do. And, and, and certainly, like, I think this is a good idea. I mean, most people don't say, hey, here's the haircut I want, and I think it's a horrible, bad idea. So, so Billy Ray uh, for, and is notorious for uh, putting two worlds together. If you don't know what that means, that means that he, he was all business up front but a party in the back, okay? That's the classic mullet. So some of you are like, you love the mullet. That's fine. I'm not hating on that. But I think a lot of us would say probably not the best gut decision to go with. Oh, that's, some of you didn't do that. Do you remember the rat tail? Anyone? Yeah. See, the rat tail, we're glad that the rat tail uh, has gone away. If you don't know about the rat tail, uh, well, it's when this little strip of hair, we just let it grow. Yeah. Some of you remember those days? Some of you are like, you're, you're young enough to be like, no, and you are so lucky to not. But this is the rat tail where, where here's the idea. Someone said, hey, you know, I know a good idea for a haircut. I'm going to grow this strip of hair really long, and we're going to call it a rat tail because it's, uh, my gut's telling me this is a good idea. Then this guy said, I even know a better idea. We're going to shave a rat into my head and then have a tail coming from it. Now, for those of you who think, oh, that, that's a brilliant idea, just imagine this guy interviewing for a job that you're offering. Yeah, now you're like, mm, yeah. And most of us don't be like, okay, I need to be as professional. i got to set this up. i got to really make a good first impression. Oh, I'll shave a rat in my head. <laughs> he shouldn't have listened. Now, may, maybe the hair thing is, is, is not your issue. There are more permanent mistakes that you and I can make. Maybe in the tattoo world. Now, I know some of you are guilty of this. Uh, this individual <laughs> thoroughly enjoys McDonald's, which, who, I mean, a Big Mac, I, I think they're enjoyable. Not to the point that I've ever had my gut tell me, David, you, you should get a McDonald's tattoo on your back. Now, now, to complicate this, I don't know if you can read this, it says, always loving it. I, I think he won't always love it. I think there'll be a day, a moment, where he's going to be like, you know what? My gut said it was good, but I don't think, I, I don't think that was good. I, all of us, all of us, I don't know how honest you're willing to be. All of us have made decisions, choices that at the moment, we just went with our gut. He was like, you know what? This just feels right, right now. Let's make this decision. Let's go on that date. Let's take that job. Let's move. And it's like, we just went with it. We, we didn't process it a long time, but we went with our gut. What I want to open up and unpack is that perhaps, perhaps, perhaps our gut, our conscience can not tell us the full truth. 
I'm not going to trash this. In fact, you'll still be able to say this statement when you leave. You'll still be able to say it, but, but, but I want to press in that perhaps some of us, listen, are on the verge of making a really bad decision because we're relying entirely on our conscience and what feels right. Now, so I want to back this up and I want us to talk about some things. Here's the first thing you need to know about your conscience is God gave you your conscience. It was given to you. So, so when I tell you, I'm not here to trash your conscience. I'm not here to say it's a horrible thing. Never listen to it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. God gave you your conscience. He gave you something. You were born with this, this ability, this understanding of some things that were bad and evil and things that were good. You were born that God gave that to you. He crafted it. He, he put that in you. And, and, and listen, listen, this has been forever. In fact, uh, let me show you a story in the Bible. The story in the Bible, it, it goes a little bit after Adam and Eve. Well, we learned that we were born with this conscience given to us by God. Genesis 4. Genesis 4 tells us, and here's, if you don't know about Cain and Abel, they're sons of Adam and Eve. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Uh, Abel should have said why, but he didn't. Uh, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now, 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 let me just stop for a second. If you're ever asked a question from God, I advise you just to tell him the truth because he knows. Where is your brother Abel? Here's his answer. Here's his answer. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you've seen that before, right? It's the guilty. Mm, I don't know at all. Why are you asking me? That's what he says. Is, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So here's what's profound, because we, we read this, and we've read this before. This is what we know is the first murder to have ever happened. But you've got Cain and you've got Abel, and now you've got a conversation between God and Cain's like, hey, where's your brother? I don't know. In other words, he lied, correct? We get that. He lied. Why? It's one of those questions we often don't ask as we read through the Bible. Often you need to stop and say, why did he say that? Why in the world would he lie? Because if you don't know history... Moses had yet to come down from the mountain with ten commandments from God, one of which was do not murder people. That hadn't happened yet. There, there wasn't some law put into place that was normal. There wasn't a, a judge somewhere with a jury in a courthouse that you went to after you got arrested and stuff like that. That was not in place. Why in the world would he tell God, hey, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. Why would he lie? Because he knew right from wrong. His conscience that God had given him helped him understand that what he did to his brother was bad. It was evil. It should never have been done. And that's why when God asks him and quizzes him, he says, I don't know. See, so our conscience is not bad. Don't, don't demonize a conscience. Don't say, hey, you should never go with your conscience or you should never go with your gut. I wouldn't advise that. See, God gave that to you, but it's got to be a healthy conscience. I hope you're following on this. It's got to be a healthy gut. It's got to be a, a healthy understanding. And so one of the best examples I've ever been given and read about about our conscience is this. Our conscience is like a thermostat. This will help us understand the conscience that you and I have got going on. Now, now notice I did not say our conscience is like a thermometer. A thermometer simply can tell you how hot or how cold things are. Someone in your house has a flu. You figure out what the temperature is. 
So we know all it can do is tell you what's going on. A thermostat can determine what's going on. You following? It can determine it. As in some of you in your house, you have it set to a certain temperature. And some of you would argue it's the right temperature. And then you've got family members, maybe or a roommate, going, nope, nope, it's not the right temperature. In fact, we have had arguments about this temperature. A thermostat determines that you, you are in control of the temperature with your vehicle, your, your apartment, your house. You get to do it. And so your conscience is like that, determines things. You get to set the standard for what it's going to be. So if you've ever been to, uh, around a family or anything like that, if you don't know some of the underlying arguments, the things that they don't tell you before you get married, you and your spouse are probably on two different thermostats. <laughs> if you don't know this, I mean, take a road trip with someone typically. They, I don't know if they're willing to be open and honest with you. But if us, we go on a road trip down to Kansas City to see some family, and all of a sudden, someone in the car says, it's really cold in here, I'm thinking. I always think it's kind of hot in here. And I don't know how you set your temperature. And for a while in our marriage, uh, <clears throat> how do I say this? Uh, we covertly changed it on each other. <laughs> and then one would be like, hey, it's so hot in here. And, and one of us, I'm not, I'm not gonna out anybody. One of us was like, no, actually, I think it's perfect. And, uh, if we have a movie night as a family at our house, it's fascinating to watch us watch movies because I was looking around. I've got kids and a wife, and I want my little daughter, seven years old. She is in a sleeping bag with more blankets, with a stocking cap on, shivering, almost losing control of her body because she's so cold. My three-year-old son is naked. And if you were to ask their opinions, is it hot or cold in here? You're going to get different answers. And we would all agree, we know this, we know this, we know this. It happens in office places, school, yeah, it happens all the time. Our consciousness is like a thermostat, but the danger is, is when you have different standards. When you have different standards going on, you have different people who have opinions. We know this. There's, you and I have friends and family who, who think, well, this is wrong. But then someone would say, no, that's not wrong. Or someone would say, hey, this is right. This is totally okay to do. And someone would say, no. It's why some people can press in and, and have say, hey, this is the right way to go, and someone can disagree. You would all, and we would all agree that, that there's some dangerous territory in the fact that if our conscience is a thermostat, there's a danger that gets flushed up to the top saying, oh, no, if we determine the standards, this could go in a bad direction. Let me help you apply this. If you were not raised in a way that you would agree with and you were taught standards, if you apply those, you get some dangerous territory. Now, now you and I are not the only ones that, that should not fully trust our conscience and our gut. And in fact, let, let, me, let me bring you back in, into what we'll call Bible times. The guy's name is Paul. Paul was, used to be a notorious Christian killer. In fact, he was well known for trying to find Christians and end their lives or put them into prison at least. All of a sudden, God gets a hold of him, and he had this literally moment where he's knocked off and on the ground, and he has this encounter with God. He surrenders his life and says, okay, God, you are real. Jesus is real. And so he turns his life over to Jesus. And then his life changes in that list. If you don't know this about your Bible, the whole second part, there are major chunks of the second part that Paul wrote. And in fact, if you want to get all weird about this, if you want to put something in hierarchy, which just doesn't work great, but... But let's say Paul is probably one of the best Christians who have ever lived. 
I mean, Paul was the guy. If you want to know a guy who knew Jesus and was a great Christian, who did, in fact, he wrote things about Christianity that some of us don't even understand. Where, like, he was brilliant, and he wrote so much stuff. It's awesome. He was a Christian of all Christians. So if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to watch this person live life, and I'm going to follow what they do, you got to know something he said about himself. Because he gives us something incredibly revealing about our conscience. 1 Corinthians 4. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. But watch this. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. This is a very wise person. This is someone who started so many churches, helping people know who Jesus is. And here's what he just told you and I. He had this conscience that was clear, but that doesn't make him innocent. Let, let, me, let me boil this down and word this in, in this way. A clear conscience does not equal a correct decision. That's why we have to have this conversation. That's why you and I have to talk about this. Because many of us thought that if our conscience is clear, in other words, if I don't feel guilty about it, it's free reign. And that's not necessarily true. In fact, Proverbs 14 tells us there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And I would tell you most of us who are experienced with life would say, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what it felt right? And, and it seemed right. So you just kind of went with it, and you and I press forward, and we make decisions based on an assumption and a conclusion, and our conscience is leading everything in our lives. So that's why we got to press in further. Regarding that thermostat, you and I have as a conscience, that thermostat, can I just su suggest something? What if your thermostat is not programmed correctly? Like, what if the standards that your thermostat was created with was good when you were born, but you've tweaked it because of the experiences that you've had? In fact, what if your standards aren't the same standards God has with life? I'll say it this way. When our standards differ from God's, our conscience loses its reliability. And frankly, church, you may not like this conversation. If your standards are different than God's, your conscience is going to tell you a bunch of junk. Uh, let me give you this idea of regarding reliability. I don't know if you've ever been on a trip and you didn't know where you were going. Some of you are like, all the time. So if you've ever been on a trip and you didn't know where you're going, most of us nowadays pull out our phone or maybe you have a Garmin GPS thing and you type in the address. That's how this works. If you ever travel on business anyway, you just type in like, take me to this address. Well, I read an article in our paper, our local paper. And, it, and there was, as people come from all over, you know that, they come from all over the world to see the faces. Like, the, like you know what I'm talking about, Mount Rushmore. So they type in Mount Rushmore, comma, South Dakota. That seems logical. However, <laughs> according to, well, this probably has been changed now. Uh, but if you put in Mount Rushmore slash uh, South Dakota, you would end up at the United Methodist Church Camp. And so... <laughs> You may not have ever been to South Dakota, but I don't know if you've ever been in rural South Dakota or if you've ever been lost in South Dakota. It's not easy to find your way back out. It's like a, a hole. You're like, you don't know where to go. So here's what happened. This United Methodist Church camp had all these traffic just flooding the camp. 
And if you don't know, there's millions of people that come here all the time. And, and they're flooding in and they're, hey, let's see Mount Rushmore. Can you imagine the kids and, the, and the, you know, this married couple? Like, this is going to be so awesome. Kids, this is so worth it. Because they're like, when are we going to get there? This is amazing. And they pull in. GPS says, you're here. And they're like, I don't see any faces. It's pine trees. It, it got so bad. I'm not joking you. It got so bad. The camp had to put up a sign. Uh, no joke. Your GPS is wrong. Some of you think I photoshopped you. This is not photoshopped. This is straight from the paper. Your GPS is wrong. That's when, you know, some people are hard at like, no, it's not. No, we're, no, it's wrong. It even says, this is not Mount Rushmore in case people missed it. Like, this isn't the pictures. I saw more faces. This is not Mount Rushmore. Go back to Highway 16 and take a right. Follow signs to Keystone. That's that moment where, you're, where you have to find out and realize, like, I, I'm, I'm wrong. This isn't good. Uh, what if that's happened to your conscience is what I'm trying to point out. What if your conscience right now is set in such a way that you're looking for a green light and it says, sure, go for it, but it's wrong. A, a good analogy, I've heard this before, is that your, your conscience is a good red light and a good yellow light, but a horrible green light. And when you're a Christian, when you invite God into your life, you go to him for those green light moments but he built something into you to know when red lights just supposed to stop you. Uh, let me reword what I just told you a little bit earlier. The reliability of our conscience is only as good as the source of our standards. See, and now I'm getting to the part of the conversation I wanted us to have. Because most of us have told or lived by like, yeah, let your conscience be your guide. Go with your gut. And, and like, yes, yes. But the problem is if the source of your standards, if how your conscience has been reprogrammed is bad, you're going to find yourself in some horrible situations wondering why God lets you be there. And he's like, I didn't tell you to go there. The reliability of our conscience is only as good as the standards and the source. We all have this, the standards. So when we have the standards conversation, if you don't know where you get your standards from, you get them from your authority in life. Whoever is important in your life in that, they, they're able to tell you the freedom to speak into your life, your authority. That's where standards come from. If you work at a business, the boss or the manager has said, here's how we do things. Don't do it that way. You do it this way. That's why in school system, there's standards passed down from authorities. So I wanted to ask you this. That's why the whole point of this conversation boils down to this. Who is your authority in life? See, we can go with our gut. We can go with where our conscience is just leading us. We can do that. But who your authority is determines where you're going to end up. Our conscience has a tendency to lead us in the wrong direction. So who is your authority? When you wake up in the morning and you're making decisions, is it all about you? I mean, let's have the frank conversation. You could be your authority. I mean, it could be you. It could be where you're in charge. I mean, maybe you've said that before where I make my own decisions. I don't fear anybody. I'm not afraid of anybody. I make my own choices. That's how this life works. Or some of you, you, you have fallen into the authority of someone else, just a friend, a family member, and whatever they say, that's what you do. But maybe, maybe it's God. It's, it's either God or your gut. And that's where I want to press in at. If you're willing to say, you know what? Okay, David, I get the answer. I, I, know, I know I'm supposed to have God as my authority. He made me. And so when we think about God, we often think, oh, he's my savior. And so you've given your life to God because he saved you from your sins. Savior. It, it's what he did for you. 
It's what it's all about. When you think about God, it's all about what he's done for you. And that is good. I'm not trashing that in any way. The problem is, is if you stay there and that relationship with God is all about what he's done for you, it becomes a consumer-driven relationship where it's all about now what are you going to do for me? If you've ever been in just a regular relationship, if it's all about what that person does for you or whether they don't do it for you, it becomes a very selfishly motivated relationship if it stays there. So if you're not aware of it, I wanted to walk you into a different conversation where if you go back in history, the early Christians, let's call them the early Christians, what they used to call Jesus or refer to Jesus as they lived their lives, uh, they called him the word Lord. It, it was rooted in who he is. See, they would call him Lord, and they would think about him as Lord. They, did, they didn't necessarily always call him, hey, you, you hear about Savior, or you talk about Savior. They, they called him Lord. It was who he is. I can give you the definition. When you walk through the definition of this stuff, definition of Lord, someone or something having power, authority, or influence, your master or your ruler. See, now we're there. Now we've arrived at a critical juncture because when you make decisions in life, and I do, if you, whoever and whatever you acknowledge as Lord, authority, master, that's who you're gonna follow, Lord. It's a deeper conversation. It's a, it's a more mature conversation because a lot of us are just stuck in he's my savior, he's my savior, he's my savior. I hope he keeps doing awesome stuff in my life when he's like, hey, I, I want to rule your whole life. I want to be the master of your whole life, every corner, every nook. And that's where we're like, mm, I don't know. That's a, a big thing to ask. Lord, it, have you made him Lord? Or are you Lord of your life? I mean, most of us don't use the term Lord a whole lot anymore, actually. I mean, you don't go to work and say, hey, you know, mom and dad, meet my Lord. And you're thinking of your boss. You don't say that. That's weird. It doesn't really fit nicely in our modern day culture. And so we don't use the word Lord a lot. In fact, for some, it's offensive. For some, you're thinking, I'm not going to let anybody be master of my life. How would I let anybody be my authority? When God designed life, if you don't know this, he designed life that a life that is lived to the full is when he is your Lord, when he is your master. See, this is why some people get offended when I talk about money, because they don't want to give that part to God. Or when people get offended when we talk about relationships and intimacy and sexuality. They don't want us to go there. Because we want the Savior, but the Lord part... I'm going to pick and choose, and I would tell you that if you pick and choose at what you think is good and who has authority, you're actually conflicting with the reality in life. Here it is. You cannot have more than one Lord. It is physically, emotionally, absolutely impossible to have more than one master, more than one main authority. You and I always revert. It's how we were made where we can only have one in charge. And I would tell you, it's either your gut or it's God. And so many people bought into this idea. Okay, okay, God's supposed to be my Lord and Savior. Okay, then I'll call him that. I'll call him Lord and Savior. But their actions didn't match up. Matthew 7, Jesus gave us a warning. He's preaching a sermon. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, some of you might be freaking out right now. Don't worry, I'll, I'll explain all this. 
But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, catch word, says, says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. See, this is like, oh, we're having a heaven and hell conversation. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, now don't, don't put words in here that aren't here. Here's what's not here. Only the one who does the will of my Father perfectly. No, no, it doesn't say perfectly. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect in this. But there's going to be a standard, and there's going to be an overarching theme to your life and my life. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, what he's getting at is, you can say something, but I want to know what you're going to do. This is a tough conversation to have. Because it pushes you and I into a situation that perhaps our life will have to be changed in order to let God lead it. That's why I ask you, who's the authority in your life? Where are you getting the standards of how you live? Are you making them up? Are you grabbing them just from culture? I would tell you that if you're going to let your conscience be your guide, if you're going to let your gut just drive everything that you do in life, if you're going to follow your heart, what we're taught is that that's a good red light, good yellow light, not a good green light. And frankly, to press in more, some of us, we don't have a reliable conscience anymore. We have filled our brains with so much stuff and experiences that we've changed the thermostat standards. What used to be Fahrenheit is now Celsius. What used to be hot is now cold, and we've messed the whole thing up. So what I wanted to do is leave us a moment. I wanted to give us a moment to, I don't know how you are. I don't know if you have a big decision coming. Maybe you're in the midst of it right now. Maybe you're on the other end and you regretted a decision. But some of you, who, if, you're, if you're relying entirely on your conscience or your gut or just following your heart, I wanted to push in front of you, are you adopting the standards God gave us? The standards that he's number one. So if you would, I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And what I want us to do is what we do so often. I want you to silently just have a private conversation with God. You'll know if you're away from God's standards in life. But I want to invite you now to simply just have a conversation with God. Say, hey God, am I living by your standards? Or have I adopted my own Go ahead, I'll, I'll leave you alone, and just for a moment, you just have a private conversation with God about that. God, I pray for everyone listening, whether they're uh, watching somewhere online or sitting here with me at West or they're at East. Or, God, I just pray that you'll grab a hold of us in a way that we listen to you. God, I would imagine there's many of us who have made some pretty poor decisions, perhaps even messed some things up. 
God, we pray that you'll help us in whatever messes we may have created. Help us to rebuild. God, for those making decisions coming up, where to go, what to do, how to do it, what to say. God, we crave your wisdom and we crave your discernment. And I just pray you'll help us. We ask, just like you said, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your discernment. We ask that you help us. And God, for the folks who need you to reset their thermostat, I just pray that you will. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never made God your Lord and Savior, but you want to start that conversation, let, let me help you. You just privately can say this to God. God, I want you to be in control of my life. And I'm sorry for living it on my own. God, I want your standards. I want to follow your way. I want you to be in control. I want you to lead the way. Teach me what I need to know. Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me peace. Give me joy. God, I just, I, I turn my life over to you. You now, I decree and tell you, you're my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and and I declare to you that I, I believe Jesus died for me and that he rose from the grave for me. And, and I follow you today. Help me walk this out, God. God, I pray for us as a church. Help us to be a group of people that makes you Lord every morning, every afternoon, every evening, all the time. Help us to lean into you for decisions. Help us to lean into you to celebrate. Help us to lean into you even when we cry and mourn what's going on. But God, I just pray that you consume us in a way that we just won't turn away. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.